Have you ever thought about what a potential buyer would want to see in your business? It's not as straightforward as you might think. In this episode, Lee Humble dives deep into the essentials from accurate financials to your organizational structure to systems and why these elements can make or break your sale. Let's dig in, shall we? Welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to helping business owners to prepare for exit so that you can maximize your valuation and then exit on your terms. This is the Exit Insights Podcast presented by Succession Plus. I'm Daryl Bates Brownsword, and today I've got Lee Humble from Azet. Now, Lee, Azet is an accounting practice, fast-growing accounting practice here in the UK. They've got a great nationwide presence, and Lee heads up the corporate finance team. I uh, met Lee when he wrote uh, a really interesting blog post uh, uh, just towards the end of last year, I think it was, Lee, and he touched on a topic that I'm not seeing too many other people uh, talk about, and it resonated with me. And that topic was, as a business owner, we, as an entrepreneur, we love the idea of building our business to a point where we get noticed in the marketplace. And then hopefully yeah, our dream scenario is that someone comes and taps us on, our, on the shoulder and says, what a fantastic business. Um, I'd like to buy it from you. And if we're not ready for exit, then you know, it may not work out. And that's what Lee wrote on. So I thought, let me tap into Lee's brain. Uh, and because he's got, seems to have a lot of experience on this. So, so Lee, welcome. Thanks for joining us. And uh, I'm really excited for this conversation. Yeah, thank you. No, definitely. I think uh, it's certainly a very good topic. And it's something which, um, you know, clearly across 2023, a lot of our customers have, have kind of leaned on us for advice. So we're certainly happy to share uh, the knowledge, the experience we've got in this field. Brilliant. So, Lee, I, why, why don't you frame up the typical scenario that you come across, yeah. and and how you see, and 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 then we can start, you know, between us picking a, apart what, why, why it falls over, or, or what good looks like, and and you know how to be ready for for such an opportunity, and and on the front foot, and what have you. Sure. So I think that the one thing I'll start off by saying is I think if I was to look at the deals we completed last year, of which there were north of 100, around a half of those were deals where a buyer had already approached a business owner. Um, so there was a tap on the shoulder, an email, a letter, just outlining some interest and outlining the desire to open negotiations for a transaction. Now, it's, it's clearly a scenario which is extremely flattering for business owners. Um, it's a scenario yeah. which, after the last three, four years, is, is welcomed by a lot because, let's face it, as owners of businesses, as, as management teams will attest, it has been a very difficult period. Yep. And I think it's very easy for business owners to then end up in a series of conversations um, with a party that they might not know. Um, and hence why a lot of our clients will then reach out to us just to ask for a little advice as to what should they share, what should they not share, and, and how does a transactional process actually work? And that's a really good point because I think that what the situation often is is that if the, the buyer makes an unsolicited approach, it suggests that they're experienced at doing this. And they're probably making more than one or two approaches uh, in a year. They're, they're possibly making quite a few more. But yeah. from the owner's perspective, they're used to selling their product, but they've never sold their business before. So this is a first time for them. And I guess there's a chance that they can get caught off guard and 
you know, give too much away too early and, and put themselves in a, in a position where they, they may not get the best deal possible or they could get taken advantage of. Is, is, is that what's happening out there? 100%. It, it's a real risk. Um, I mean, you know, let's face it, when you sell a business asset, it is something which you might only ever go through once. It really yep. is a lifetime moment. For a lot of business owners, you know, that's their baby. They've spent a lot of time, um, effort, blood, sweat, tears have gone into the build of that. Uh, and it can be a very emotional subject. It's something where, again, you touch on an interesting point from a commercial sensitivity perspective. You can give a little too much away. Um, if I look at some of the stats in terms of the deals we completed last year, two thirds of those deals were deals where it was someone in the same sector buying another party. So i.e., almost a competitor. Yeah. Obviously, you've got to really just sense check what you are handing over during that process because you know due diligence will be phased there'll be an initial kind of assessment period where the buyer will want to fully understand you know how the business works how it trades what the numbers look like you know a lot of small businesses don't publish and advertise detailed accounts so the buyer might not have a full grasp on exactly how trading performance looks um, so again, you've, ju you've just got to keep that in mind. And that's why I'd always say to people, you know, when you get that knock on the door, take a step back, catch a breath, seek advice, you know, speak to those who do this for a living, because it's very easy to spend a lot of time, spend a lot of money, um, you know, be distracted for, distracted for a period where you could end up in a position where you don't want to be. Yeah. And as you say, you're only going to sell your business once. You know, for, for most business owners, they've built their business up over a lifetime and it represents their life's work. And and a lot of them are out there thinking that, hey, I need the, the sale of my business. Hopefully I can actually sell my business. It's saleable. And they're thinking that when they sell, sell their business, that's, you know, some of them, that is the, the bulk of their pension provision. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully we, we get there. So we want to maximize, they want to maximize that opportunity. And if you, and some of the concerns we hear is when they start these conversations is, well, what do I tell them, especially if it's someone already operating in the same sector? Because I guess a bigger player, it's it's not beyond them to uh, use this as a strategy to, to just pick up some market intelligence. Absolutely. We do see that quite a bit. Unfortunately, you know, there are a layer of buyers who are out there with not the best intentions. So you've just got to be, again, methodical. You've got to be careful with what is shared and how it's shared. I mean, again, you know, as a starter, you know, in a kind of even a conversation like this before anything is, is distributed, let's get non-disclosure agreements in place. Yes, it may only be seen as a piece of paper, but it's, it's quite a powerful piece of paper. And it's a reminder to both parties that, you know, what we are talking about is in confidence and this cannot be used or shared for anything other than the purpose intended. Yeah. And and if you're only ever going to do something once in your life, you want to get it right. So now's not the time to skimp on, on you know, paying your, your corporate finance partner, paying an exit planner paying your financial planner or a legal advisor for, for good, solid advice. You're only going to do this once. Ask them, how much information should I give them at what stage? What do I need to do to protect myself? Like you're, you're saying there. Yeah. How do I know that they're, how do I know that they're not just sniffing around looking for information? How do I know that they're serious? And, you know, if they've been approached, you know, they're, they're, they're possibly feeling a bit flattered and, and their ego has been stroked. 
So, yeah, look, it, it's it's a critical time. So, Lee, when they get approached, yeah, I guess there's a there's an element of seduction here, and they're going, "Hey, look, I want to buy your business." Um, in the UK, a certain amount of financial information for business is published, um, so they've got some financial information. Do, are they making an offer? Um, and I'm and I'm just thinking of the. Yeah, the real estate scenario, someone comes in and says, you know, a real estate agent will say, well, I can sell your house for a, for a million quid. And so we, we engage those people to sell our house for a million quid. And then they go, oh, look, I misread it and uh, I'll get you 800 or what, whatever the story is. What's happening here? Are they, are they making high offers to, to seduce the owner and get their attention and then going, well, now I've done the due diligence. Here's what I can really think the business is worth. How's yeah. I think you will find some buyers do that. And again, I think if, if a buyer is doing that, you've got to challenge them. You know, due diligence is key and due diligence has got to go both ways. So, Daryl, yeah. you want to buy my business. Who are you? Why do you want me? What do you know about me? Are you advised? Have you done this before? Do you have the funding? Yeah. The funding is a key part right now because, you know, I think we can all see that. And we've been through a period where interest rates have risen, what, 14 times? Now, obviously, hopefully they're going to retrench a little bit now. But debt availability is somewhat difficult. The ability to raise finance is strangled. So if someone comes in with a broad offer and they can talk valuation very quickly without getting into some detail, and you've got, you've got to give them the benefit of seeing some information because only then can they come up with what should be a robust and uh, kind of deliverable offer. And, and, and as part of that, the one thing that I always say to my clients is, you know, valuation is one aspect which is incredibly important, but so is structure. Very few deals these days see the uh, you know, entirety of the consideration payable on completion. Yep. That tends to only happen in a, a, a transaction where there is a strategic purpose for a buyer to acquire the target. Um, so again, you've got to get into the nuts and bolts as quickly as you can. So one of the things I would do is when you get into the kind of offer stage or the heads of terms, as we would call it, that heads of terms should include the list of assumptions that the buyer has made to derive the offer and present the offer that they have, because that should indicate the areas that they are going to diligence. And what I would do is if I was selling is I think, right, have they made the right assumption? Have they, have they picked this up wrong? Because if they have, you need to be communicating there and then because what you don't want to do is spend weeks, months, you know, following a deal which cannot get there. It will not deliver. Yeah. And if there's mismatched expectations, you, you've got to get on the same page quickly. And I think what you're saying there is you, you, you're kind of saying, show me the money. Show me that you're serious because, you know, we're spending six figures plus seven, eight figures sometimes. There's some massive deals. No one's going to go and spend that amount of money on a business unless they're really sure. So they they want to do the due diligence, but you up front, you need to make sure that before you, know, it's going to take a fair bit of your time. Yeah. So you need to know that both parties are serious and entering into this um, with a yeah, I guess pure mind and and looking to do a deal. For sure. So, Lee, what do, what do business owners need to do if they if they're just running their business on a day to day basis? They 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 have an exit, or you know, they want to sell their their business at some point in time. So they're not actively, let's say, shopping it around, or they haven't engaged a broker or an M and A person to 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 actively promote their business for sale. 
but what could they be doing to put themselves in the best possible stance or situation um, if someone does come and, and uh, knock on their door with, with the uh, unsolicited? It's a great question. I think it comes down to one thing, and that is preparation. So, you know, put, you, put yourself in the shoes of the buyer. What is the information they want to see? So clearly financial information is going to be needed. That needs to be accurate. It needs to be up to date. You know, both, both concepts, which are so, so obvious, but for a lot of small and, and medium-sized businesses where it might be perhaps that the finance function is outsourced, it might be that you've got part-time personnel. So there can be a bit of a lag between the accuracy and timeliness of, of financial information. And that is something, even just from a, a general best practice perspective, you need to have, you know, kind of your hands on. Similarly, forecasts. Do you have any forecasts? Those forecasts, is it a profit and loss? And does it include a balance sheet, a cash flow statement? Because again, if a buyer is going to use debt to support the purchase price, they're going to want to look at the serviceability of whatever incoming debt looks like. Um, simple things such as your, your records. Do you have the latest up-to-date employment contracts of all of your staff? Do you have your supplier contracts, your customer contract? It's very easy to not file or misfile pieces of a paper, which could be very, very key during a process. You know, from a customer contract perspective, it might be that there are certain termination provisions on change of ownership. You need to check what's in there because, again, from a commercial diligence perspective, it's something that a buyer is going to look at. Do you have an organization chart? You know, again, linking back to your key employees, how are they locked in? How are they incentivized? Especially if you are a smaller business, one of the key risks with a smaller business is dependency on a small number of individuals. So if yep. a buyer comes in and they lose one or two staff, what does that do to the viability of the business? What does that do to their projected return on investment? So it, it, in essence, it's just keeping your files and records up to date, on hand, and again, when you get to the point of sharing information, just think, how much do they really need to see? So again, if you are giving a profit and loss balance sheet, if they ask for things like customer lists, that may be something that you anonymize at the front end. Yeah. But again, I would always cross-reference that to what you publicly disclose. So quite often on a website, a business will, will have case studies, testimonials, a list of customers they've worked with. Well, if the information is already there, you might as well give them it now. Because again, what we want to do is put them in a position where they can produce a well-thought and uh, highly deliverable offer, which you, you can then fully assess in the round. Yeah. So if I was to summarize what you're saying there, I think what I'm hearing is what you the one way to prepare is to demonstrate to a buyer, potential buyer, that the way you're, you're in control of the way you're running your business, you're running it to a plan and you're not just making it up as you go along. It's not all in your head. You've got some sort of documented plan and you're capturing. So you've got forecast and then you're capturing results against the plan. And you can, you know, I guess you've got some business planning strategies in place and your management team, they're not just running it from inside their head. So if they leave, those key people leave, the systems, the processes, the, 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 the workflows are in place for someone else to pick up and hopefully be trained on. Correct. Yeah, Absolutely. So all de-risking it. Okay, so what would make a deal like this fall over? Let's imagine we've we've got our paper, we've got our information in place, we're ready for a due diligence, we know where all our contracts are, we know where all our agreements are, we've got our, our policy and procedure manual, if you like, we've got our HR manual, it's all 
stored in our filing system. We know where to, we can put our hands on everything. We are running our business with uh, some financial acumen uh, and runway. We, we, you know, we're, we're doing for, what else do we need? What would make a business fall over if we've got all of that, that tangible stuff at hand? Well, I think one of the facts that I would always point out is, you know, if a business is going to fail after an acquisition, it tends to be in the first 12 months post deal. Um, yep. what, you, what a buyer will want to see is, you know, can you maintain and sustain whatever good practice is in-house and ultimately le led you to the decision that you want to purchase? So again, key staff, can you keep them in? That's why quite often what a buyer may do is look at new ways to incentivize those key employees who perhaps from a financial perspective weren't incentivized previously. So things like loyalty bonuses uh, can be quite useful. Uh, similarly, from a, a sector perspective, Regulatory change. Do you understand the market that the target is in? This is again why two thirds of businesses per hour stats are bought by those who are already in the sector. They understand the headwinds. They understand the challenges. I think if I was buying, one of the, the, the obvious areas I would look at these days is the client mix and also what sectors are the clients in? So if you were buying something right now, which was serving the construction sector or retail, you might be uh, a little more reluctant than say if it was serving you know a different sector such as security which is quite buoyant right now um supply chain how locked in are the suppliers how important are the suppliers if you lose one how replaceable are they i mean fundamentally and it comes down on a raw financial level what we look for is sustainability in profits yep so what what are the torpedoes that could come from left field which could really rock the boat um sink the ship yeah so so have we done sort of risk uh, analysis and assessment and got a business Absolutely. continuity plan and and you mentioned about you know i guess the 80 20 rule on on client base we also need to do that on our supplier base as well which is uh, often overlooked Definitely. okay so we're, we're having a look at the robustness the sustainability of all of our systems our our business model from you know client acquisition all through the revenue chain so to speak um so we've got we've got our business in place where we haven't taken it to the market what well, what sort of buyers potential buyers are, are typically in your experience sort of making these approaches are, are they more the, the people in strategic acquisitions or is it more i guess a, a trade sale or a, or a competitor just trying to buy out market share and yeah yeah i, th I think um again you know one of the comparisons i make is you've got sophisticated buyers and those who aren't sophisticated. Unfortunately, we are in an environment where there are a lot of unsophisticated buyers who think they can go out and pick things up for a penny, for a pound, without putting any capital in. Uh, that can sometimes be possible, but I certainly wouldn't want to give my business away for a penny or a pound. So, you know, you will see a lot of that because, again, if you look at the public information out there, it's not very hard to find a list of companies in a certain sector, a certain area. It's not hard to find business owners of a certain age where a retirement sale is perhaps more likely. So I think, you know, we, we have a lot of clients that re receive a ton of approaches, especially linked to their age, because you do get people who can smell blood, they can smell a deal. Now, yep. strate strategic buyers, you know, that, that's what you want. A strategic buyer needs you for a specific reason, and they tend to be uh, the most viable option and also the option which is going to deliver best, most value.
Um, yeah. So, you know, they tend to be a bit rarer. A strategic buyer often is already known to you. It might be that you've got a certain product, a certain piece of IP, um, certain uh, jurisdiction or geography that they don't have and they want, which is why sometimes you see overseas buyers stepping in because they need to be in a territory which they can't, maybe for accreditation, regulatory purposes. Um, I think private equity are an obvious reference point here because if you look at the stats, the Financial Times in December 23 talked about dry powder of $4 trillion. That dry powder needs to be deployed. If a private equity house cannot deploy that cash, they need to give it back. That does not look good, and that will derail their own ability to raise the next fund, which is where they make their money. Um, so PE will be active. But private equity involvement is not always direct. What yeah. you might find is you might find a trade party approach you, but it is the private equity capital behind which has prompted the uh, approach because... If you look at private equity, they are financial investors. They buy at one price and sell at another. The second price has got to be higher because that's how they deliver their return. That price becomes higher through growth, through expansion, yep. which will be both a combination of organic and acquisitive means. Uh, now, there are benefits to trading with people or transacting with people with private equity money because you know they've got the financial wherewithal to execute. But again, when private equity step in, they tend to structure in a way which will try and lock in management and the vendor. So are you happy to hang around? Will you stay yep. and work with the business? Are you happy to see some of your payment linked to a future transaction? So, you know, again, I think when, when it comes to private equity, it's, it's very glamorous, sexy. Everybody wants to do a PA deal, but there's a lot that goes into it. And that is one area where you must seek advice very, very quickly. Uh, well, so Private equity are much bigger deals too, aren't they? And they uh, they are really two bites of the cherry. It's a it's a specific mm -hmm. type of exit. But as you say, you know, when 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 business owners aren't aware of how private equity works, it just sounds really sexy and and appealing, and and they they hear the big numbers being thrown around, and and they can get seduced by that. But it has a big impact on the way you run your business, and and they are they want their pound of flesh. They they want fast growth and they want you to, to, you know, if you thought you were running fast before, they uh, want you to start sprinting. And uh, so, 100%. but it'll be a hell of a ride. No, it is. And again, I think if you are in that position, um, the, the, the benefit we have these days is there is probably more private equity houses than there ever was before. Yep. So I think you can't, you can't afford to be a bit more selective. You've got to look at the house in question. What's their style? Who are the people you'll be working with? What are their financial expectations? Crucially, what's their timeline? So if they're going to buy yeah. now with a view to selling in X years, how long is X? How does that work with your own timetable? Does that work or does it not work? Um, also remember this, private equity investors, when they invest, when they deploy into you, it's not just equity. The larger proportion of the funds they'll allocate will tend to come in the form of debt. That debt needs to be serviced. It might yep. be that the interest on that rolls up, i.e. you don't pay it on the way through, but on the future transaction, that's going to be paid off first. So that will ultimately impact the returns that flow to all other shareholders. So just keep that in mind.
Okay, so we've got our private equity as is is potentially one option that um, you know because the private equity they've got all this money that they need to invest and and that's been happening for a number of years as I understand, and so they they're getting let's say more and more keen to to invest that so they're out looking for opportunities they may tap you on the shoulder. A competitor may may tap you on the shoulder and they may be doing market research, but they they look just looking to buy up some some customers and 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 grow through acquisition. So they'll just want your customers, and and there may be one or two others. And there's these um you know, these people out there attending courses and 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 think that yeah. they can become business buyers and uh and and buy your business for a pound. Um and and you know so if if we're on the front foot and we've got business owners educated, they they'll know how to handle those sort of offers. But in this scenario, Lee, where, where someone comes and they make a serious offer to our business, because we haven't, you know, potentially the business owner hasn't been out there looking and, and, and they've just got that gut feel of, you know, what businesses in their industry sell for, how do they know if it's a good deal, a good offer that's being presented to them? Yeah, great question. And I'd put it down to four things. Valuation. Is that enough? Is that, is that a number that you are prepared to sell on? Number two, structure. How and when is it going to be paid? You know, assuming yep. that it's not all going to be paid on day one, how long do you need to wait for that capital? Are you yeah. being offered security to support that? Is that security actually worth its weight? Um, what conditions will apply? You know, earnouts are a transaction type or a, a payment mechanism whereby future consideration is linked to the delivery of certain targets. Are those targets deliverable? And crucially, within the minutiae of, of the sale and purchase agreement, what control do you have on the other side and what can the buyer do to manipulate the achievement of those uh, financial targets? That's one of the biggest ones that I'm, I'm talking to owners all the time is going, get your business prepared ahead so that you can do a deal without the need for an earnout. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, there, there can be deferred payments and you can have structures in place, but yeah, I've just seen too many examples where they agree to an earn out and then the goalposts are moved. Yeah. And, uh, and I think in this environment where, again, if you are to assess the sustainability of earnings, it, it's very difficult to fully understand and conclude what is deliverable every single year because we've had COVID, we've had the post COVID bounce, we've had political complete, uh, trauma we've got yeah. conflict there's a lot of factors a lot of headwinds which impact that so quite often earnouts are used to align a buyer and a seller when it comes to valuation but what we've yep. seen in the last 12 months is actually valuations and multiples have held where they drop it tends to be where a seller has said i appreciate the buyer's um suggested use of an earnout i'd rather avoid that risk so i'll take a little bit less I'll take a little bit less now just for certainty, just for clarity. I mean, again, it, you know, it, this, this kind of ties in with the kind of last two factors that I'll draw your attention to in terms of what looks good. The third being fit. Does my business fit the buyer? Will that work? You know, I've, I've got some staff that have worked for me for 20, 30 years. Are their jobs safe? I've got some supplier relationships and customer relationships. Are they going to look after my clients and, and suppliers the way I have? And the last and the most important is, is the offer deliverable? Do yeah. they have the, the ways, the means? I mean, again, it comes back down to something we've discussed earlier, but one of the things you always need to watch out for is, is the buyer 
taking advice and are they happy for you to take advice? Because if not, it tends to be a warning sign. Yeah. So that's really good advice there, Lee. And um, so let's, we, we, we can, there's a lot more factors, I'm sure, like selling your business and, and, and being prepared for an unsolicited offer is, is one thing. So you're responding. A lot of business owners, I think we started the conversation going, it's a dream scenario, isn't it? A lot of business owners think if they just keep growing their business, they'll, they'll create more and more awareness in the marketplace. They'll get noticed. And they're just hoping that one day someone will come and tap them on the shoulder. But what can they do specifically because to, to attract attention? What can they do to attract offers without sort of running around the marketplace going, we're, we're for sale, we're for sale, because no one wants to do that. That'll destabilize the business. But what can they do to prepare themselves to, to attract people, uh, you know, offers out of the blue? Um, I think it all, it all comes down to profiles. So again, if you look at your online presence, your online footprint, is your website a true depiction of who you are, what you do? Um, is that website as polished as you'd like it to be? Everybody will Google everything. So just make sure that looks as good as it can do. Again, you know, do you make use of press releases? Do you tell the market, you know, how good the business is and all the great things you are doing? It's one thing that I do in my business and it does lead to opportunities. Um, your advisors, your bank manager, let them be a sponsor and advocate for your business, your brand. Let them go and send the message. Bearing in mind, they might often speak to parties who have a strategic purpose to acquire. That buyer might not know who you are. Maybe they could join the dots, yeah. link you together, and all of a sudden a deal comes from nowhere. Leverage your network. Lee, look, this is a, a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and I'm, I'm thinking we might have uh, one or two follow-up conversations and, and perhaps episodes on this. But for the topic today, what I think let's let's try and summarise what we've captured so far. If you want to be attractive to to get those offers, you know, you need to make sure that you're on the front foot and ready to go for for that unexpected contact. You need to let your network know. You need to you know subtly. You don't want them to be be singing, but but let them know that you know, you're open to to entertain ideas. You need to make sure that you've got the right. Um, uh, advisors on board ready to go, whether they be financial, whether they be legal uh, or, or finan personal financial planning, you need to get your personal financial planning affairs in order. And you need to know that your business is both culturally and commercially ready and, and adaptable to, to be um, to, for, for growth and, and uh, sustainable growth. Is there anything we've missed there? Um, no, I think the one thing that I will say is, if the approach comes, stay calm, be methodical, challenge. You know, we've used the phrase already, but due diligence has got to go both ways. Don't be f afraid of asking the, the, the difficult questions on the buyer. You know, you need to be comfortable and confident that this is the right party to buy your business and that this is a party that you're going to spend some time with, both in the build-up to the sale and potentially on the other side. Yeah. So do all your preparation up front. I love that. Stay calm and then yeah. ring up your advisor and go, help, you've done this before. Guide Definitely. me through this. 
Lee Humble, thank you. I really do appreciate you sharing your exit insights with us today. Thanks so much. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Exit Insights podcast. And if you have, now's a good time to subscribe and make sure you get notified of all future episodes. Now, if the topics have raised questions about the value potential in your business or how you will exit like a boss, then contact me and arrange a free strategy call where we can discuss what's required for you. Otherwise, if you'd simply like to learn more about how to prepare for when you want to exit, then you can download a copy of our ebook called It All Begins With Insights. The link is in the show notes. In this book, we'll show you how a business insights report can be used to assess your business to uncover your intangible assets and identify the value potential if you're ready for exit and your business is exit ready.